welcome to An Evening with Nirvana, a podcast where I talk to various guests from the Doom community about level design, map making, and content creation. Today on the show, I'm talking to So Bad. You'll likely know him as a friendly face on Twitch at slash So Bad Doom for his Doom World Let's Plays on YouTube, as well as his analytical content. Uh, you might also know him as the creator of Map 5 of the Balls of Steel Community Project, which came out recently. Uh, so, welcome to the show, So Bad. How are you doing? Thanks very much. I'm I'm doing great, and you know, by the way, thanks for scraping the bottom of the barrel to get a uh, little old so bad on the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm running out of guests. So. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. <laughs> no. I could tell. I could uh, tell. How are you doing? No, I'm good. I'm doing good. Uh, we had a riveting conversation beforehand, so I'm all pumped up. But uh, raring to go. Yeah, it definitely wasn't uh, due to scraping the bottom of the barrel there. I feel like uh, something was resonant uh, when I watched your content, and I just thought you seemed like you'd be an entertaining guest. So that that was why the the invite extended. Wow, I've never been called resonant before, so I mean I'm double plus flattered. Thank you. Well, there you go. Uh, so, uh, what was your first experience with Doom? Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess my my experience would be a little more boring than most, but it just would have been having a you know your dad install doom on the old windows 95 computer and playing that as a kid when you were way too young and my mom would be freaking out because you'd come down and see my brother and i playing violent video games and <laughs> should they be playing this and my dad was you know pretty firm on it being fine but uh i think most people have this roller coaster experience with doom where they're into it for a while and then they don't play it for 10 years mm -hmm. and then they come back and uh, I didn't so much have that as I, I would be playing Doom a little bit every year for basically my whole life. I don't think I've ever stopped, really. Mm -hmm. And that was Doom 1, Ultimate Doom? Or... Um, it would have been both Doom 1 and Doom 2. I didn't ever play uh, Final Doom as a kid. It wasn't until probably like my late teens that I went back and tried Plutonia and TNT finally. And uh, I just wasn't a huge fan at that point. Of TNT, specifically. Yeah, yeah. TNT and, and Plutonia didn't gel too much for me, but I think I had enjoyed too many really high quality PWODs at that point. That they Plutonia and TNT were kind of showing their age by that point. I kind of tried them for the first time too late, and I'd already started my PWOD progression. Interesting. So, which iWOD did you uh, enjoy out of Doom One and Doom Two then? Um, I think Doom 2 would be my go-to. I think uh, I think all the interesting combat came in in Doom 2. There are some level design concerns, obviously, but I think Doom 1 has those as well. But if you name any interesting monster to fight, any interesting Doom monster, they're all Doom 2 monsters, right? The Revenant, the Mancubus, the Arachnotron, Archvile, Pain Elemental, anything that does something cool and unique, they all came in in Doom 2, plus the Super Shotgun. So I feel like in the modern day, if you grade Doom on a curve, it's an, a phenomenal game for when it came out, but I don't think it holds up nearly as well, whereas I think Doom 2 still holds up today, uh, but just the level design maybe has aged a little bit more noticeably than everything else, but the gameplay is still solid as a rock. What about the Cyberdemon there? Huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, the Cyberdemon, yeah, he's an interesting monster, but I think you just... You don't see much of him in Doom 1, obviously, because he doesn't come in until he's a boss in Episode 2, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you don't see too much of him in Doom 2 either. When does he show up? The Living End, there's a Cyber Demon. 
where else is there even a, a map eight tricks and traps other than that he doesn't show up too too much map 20 so, uh, oh yeah gotcha yeah he fights the spider mastermind for you it's it's neat to see them sprinkle the boss monsters throughout the mappage in uh in doom 2 and uh but yeah i just think like i the the revenant i think is the best monster in uh in doom Okay, well, and... that's the last question of the, the podcast. <laughs> you've, you've just really jumped ahead. Oh no, I'm so sorry. You should have. We should have uh, briefed each other before we got in here. We wasted all our time talking about other stuff. It's uh, it's fine. You've just uh, you've ruined the whole format of the show. But that's not a big problem. I'm so sorry. Let's scrap this and start over. What do you say? Yep, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> come in like really stunted like conversation as i'm guiding you through each question <laughs> please and thank you if you could <laughs> like it's it a defamation lawsuit <laughs> yeah. uh, so you talked about getting into custom content when when did you actually first start playing p words oh I, yeah i wouldn't remember the year but it was it was pretty young it was basically as soon as i was old enough to understand an online tutorial for how to run a pwod from the command line or batch file mm -hmm. then i i would have been trying stuff but uh yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't know when that was specifically it's hard you're asking me to deep way dig way back deep here but okay um, but it was pretty so it was pretty early on for you then that you were like already seeking out custom stuff yeah i would have already been playing pwods by you know the early mid 2000s mm -hmm. and uh and forward and then probably didn't get around to plutonia until and tnt until god i want to say like maybe 20 2013 or later like i was i was real late getting back to those so by that point so many incredible things had come out that uh yeah it just didn't feel the same i don't even think i finished tnt if i'm being honest with you don't tell the dean please oh my god <laughs> tnt is good all right uh well it is and it isn't <laughs> it's interesting more than it's good uh, most likely but that's uh, what you get out of it right i was actually i was listening recently again to your uh the interview you did with uh mount pain 27 mm -hmm. and uh yeah you had brought up that you thought tnt you know had nailed the atmosphere which i thought was interesting so uh -huh. if you if you get value out of that part of the experience if you're an atmosphere type of person then uh yeah it might be a really enjoyable experience but i'm kind of in the odd camp where if it doesn't have the gameplay i just i can't enjoy it and i'll I'll give you maybe a bonus point if your atmosphere is stellar but it's just it'll raise you from a nine to a ten for me but if if your gameplay puts you at a one then your atmosphere is not going to get you higher than a one for me interesting i think i'm able to maybe like compartmentalize my my gaming experiences a little bit where i can be like i can enjoy tnt for atmosphere and and midi and weird abstract spaces uh gigantic rooms that uh, have no purpose <laughs> etc and then i can enjoy <laughs> plutonia because it you know it's built around like solid combat and stuff but maybe the sense of place is like a little bit less interesting in plutonia so you know I try to appreciate things for uh for different elements, I guess. Absolutely. I, I wish that I <clears throat> I wish that I had that circuitry 
about me, but I don't seem to be able to do that. I'm I'm very arcadey in my gaming sensibilities. So mm-hmm. if I'm not very engaged with the task I've been asked to do, then you're going to lose my interest really quickly. It might also be from mapping like a lot, making a lot of Doom maps, playing a lot of Doom. You Maybe you just get a little bit bored of seeing the same stuff. So when something does something a bit weird, uh, like I think, <laughs> you know, Maybe the more into Doom you get, the more the further from the Plutonia spectrum, and the more into the TNT spectrum you end up. So you think you're you're kind of deriving an artistic enjoyment out of it, rather than maybe a gaming enjoyment, if that makes sense. Mm, if you want to put it that way, sure. Yeah. Well, I want to put it how you would want to put it. It's an it's definitely an aesthetic experience rather than uh, pertaining to the actual gameplay because. TNT definitely has some real stinkers in terms of gameplay. I see. So is, is there any part of it where sort of the impre- the experience is impressive in a way rather than necessarily fun? Oh yeah, for sure. I gotcha. And so but you can derive quite a bit of enjoyment from being impressed on in that way, I take it. Yeah, definitely. I mean I think if you play like some slaughter stuff, like l- once the challenge gets pushed to a certain limit, I think part of it is like you'll definitely get to a point where you're just not having that much fun with a fight <laughs> where it's like, OK, like I'm getting destroyed by this fight over and over again. But you can still come out of it at the other end and be impressed with the setup and the monster composition and the way the fight's put together, but not necessarily have had an enjoyable time just because you got wrecked for like an hour you know that's true but i mean have you considered masochism (laughs) well uh (laughs) different kind of pleasure perhaps (laughs) the pain in itself is the pleasure whereas i don't enjoy the pain aspect i'm enjoying a separate element and then you know being able to put the pain to the side yeah that's fair for sure so like during when you were discovering P-Wads and stuff, what what was sort of the first big P-Wad for you that you really enjoyed? I think the first one that was a real wow moment for me, where I just couldn't believe the quality of the thing I was experiencing, was probably Ancient Aliens. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. I'd have to check the date on that. I get these things mixed up so much. I think I think Ancient Aliens would have been the one that I first played and thought, holy crap, this is like a AAA game. You know, if I didn't know it was Doom, the quality of the levels and the quality of the gameplay experience front to back is so lovingly crafted. There's so many neat moments that I just can't believe somebody made this for free, essentially by themselves, right? It's just just an insane... I mean, well, I think some other mappers contributed with some maps, but I just mean... yeah as a project you get used to playing with stock doom textures and you get used to playing these wads where people are kind of doing what they've been taught to do by playing doom a lot of the early 2000s wads they're kind of just you know doom the expansion pack and there's not a real experimentation with the gameplay aspects of it all mm-hmm. and then you come across the more modern stuff and if we're just talking about ancient aliens still there's a real uh, design behind encounters and a real effort put into the conveyance of how you work your way through each map. 
It just seems very crafted to help the player have the best time possible while still being engaging. Uh, I was also impressed that it has some custom monsters in it and they don't totally ruin the experience for me, which is unique. Uh-huh. Uh, so probably, do you know off the top of your head what year that would have come out? Is that Are we talking like 2012 or when's Ancient mm, I feel like maybe it's later than 2012, but I don't know. Maybe it is. Yeah, I'm maybe not actually sure. Later. Should we check? God, I'm scared now. Um, I feel like maybe it's... Uh, I'm going to say 2015, like, maybe. Is that too late? I'm trying to think... Maybe. Skillso's been oh, actually it's 2016. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I thought oh, it was like quite a bit later. Because Sunlust would have come out before Ancient Aliens, then. Yep, I think so. So it would have maybe like oh, the so year before been... or something. Yeah. Wow, I'm all mixed up here. I'm very bad with this stuff with my with my ordering of the dates and I'll conflate things. But yeah, Ancient Aliens. At least at least we know <clears throat> what a standout experience. That here I am attributing it to uh, kind of my first big one. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, so I would have played Sunless first. So this is really embarrassing because Sunless is my favorite <laughs> wad of all time. And you're like, what was your first great wad that you played? And I'm like, oh, the one that came out after Sunless. Well, you know, you just got your dates mixed up. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, you play like, you know, 20 full megawads a year minimum and you just forget when things come out. But uh, I guess the spirit of the answer to the question is just that eventually the PWODs started coming out consistently that were of such an incredible quality that you just start to kind of reevaluate how we look at Vanilla Doom and Vanilla Doom 2. Mm-hmm. And that's, you, you can't blame them because who were they supposed to base their level design sensibilities off of, right? How many other FPS games are there? It's kind of just basically just Wolfenstein and that's the same company anyway. So they're they're just wandering around blind trying to come up with fun maps for the player base to play and they've got to just learn from their own mistakes so if you grade it on a curve it's wonderful but yeah the level design maybe doesn't hold up so well under a modern lens uh now that things like sunlust and ancient aliens and valiant and such have come out but what blows my mind is just that this the core gameplay mechanics still hold up so well just the the enemy design the weapon design interesting mechanics like pain chance and sound propagation there's just so much neat stuff that i can't believe they thought of it all in 1993 1990 yeah 93 right god uh-huh. i can't i don't know any yeah. of my dates that is correct and uh yeah just blow it blows me away because if you watch any amateur you know make a game these days which would i mean i'd include myself in that the number of mistakes you make is just insane and you don't know till after you release the game. Oh, this isn't fun at all. How did I not know this wasn't fun? But it's hard. So to release basically the first FPS game in 1993 and get so much stuff right that people are still copying you nowadays. And when they don't copy you, their games are worse. I don't understand how they did that. Is are Romero and Carmack just time travelers? Like what's going on? But it's it's astounding. But yeah, all of that is just to try and justify before people bully me. <laughs> Why? If you play Plutonia, if you play TNT <laughs> after you enjoy more modern PWODs, uh, then it's just, I don't think it holds up. Through well, no yeah, fault yeah. of the original creators, yeah. It's why I always tell people to play Dark Souls 1 first, no matter what. 
because mm. I know people who have played Dark Souls 1 after they've played Dark Souls 3 and they're like, this feels terrible. Like, uh, or, you know, after they've played other uh, games that have just stolen from uh, the Souls series and stuff because DS1 comparatively does feel pretty clunky these days if you're coming from, like, other games that have iterated upon what it began, uh, you know, in the genre. So it's the same with yeah. Doom, I guess. I love that analogy because Dark Souls kind of birthed its own genre as well, right? We have Souls-like games coming out kind of <laughs> yeah. left and right. And it's just such such an amazing thing to see somebody try a new thing for the first time and get it right enough that it's not only still enjoyable today, even if it shows the stitching a little bit, but you just have other companies and other creatives saying, oh, I want to make my version of that game. And I want to steal as much as I can because they just nailed it and tweak only a few things to see if I can make my own experience. And really at this point, I'm just talking in circles because I'm so embarrassed that Ancient Aliens came out in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to weigh on my conscience forever. I'm going to have to look up like what the CAC Award winners were back in like 2010 to get a better idea of what I was actually doing back then. So I can't remember it all. But um, yeah, yeah Dark you'll Souls have to... a great example. Well, I mean, if you want to talk a bit about Sunlust as well, I mean, ha always happy to hear about Sunlust. Um, certainly one of maybe the best example of a mega wad that exists, uh, I would say, in terms of uh, your, like uniqueness, level per level uh you know challenge the overall like aesthetic experience uh everything really <laughs> just probably the closest you're going to get to like a perfect mega one in my opinion yeah it's it's unbelievable it's fantastic it's uh it's tough but fair you know it's it seems to be put on this pedestal of like oh like, you're not ready to play Sunlust. Like, it's one of the hardest wads ever. But, I mean, A, turn the difficulty down. Just go enjoy Sunlust. You don't have to practice for two years just for the right of playing it on UV. You know, you can play Sunlust on HMP. Play it on Hey Not Too Rough. I, I know a lot of effort went into balancing for those difficulties. But, uh, yeah, what blows me away the most about that is I, uh, as kind of an over-analytical type, I'll be thinking about a combat situation. Maybe I want to make a, a video on the channel to explain a certain concept. And whenever I kind of build this hypothetical combat puzzle and say, this would be a great way to demonstrate a specific skill, I realize that I'm just making something that's already in Sunlust. They, they beat me <laughs> yeah. to it. I just, I can't seem to think of anything that Ribix and Dan didn't already think of and do better. The, the usage of the different monster types is phenomenal in that. I love that kind of every three maps, I think, they change up the vibe of the visuals completely. Mm -hmm. So there's this really nice pacing to it, um, even as someone who barely cares about that normally in a given experience. I, I, I appreciate that. It helps vary it up. And the difficulty curve is so nice, where it kind of increases over 10 maps and then resets a little bit increases over the next 10 maps, cuts back again, and increases in that three-episode format. It's just, it's just great. Yeah, it's, it's hard to think of any flaws with it at all. Maybe the womb. Who knows? <laughs> I like the womb a lot, actually. I, I like the womb, too, but it is very jarring 
at, at that point right to suddenly be thrown into that, that i think it's a point. like a very important map in terms of well a it's where the whole palette for sunless comes from uh because that's when rubik's discovered software mode essentially uh, and decided he wanted it to look good in software mode which is why the palette changed uh to be like deeper reds and stuff while he was making the wound uh, oh really yep uh, and also, I think it's the point where the wad truly tells you it's about to get difficult, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> that's the what. That's the map where you're like, okay, uh, maybe this is a hard ward actually. That's funny. I can see that. I think. I think personally, I would probably put that at map fifteen. Okay. I feel like strength and anger is the first one that really starts throwing stuff at you and just daring you to survive. That's not to say that it's all that difficult, you know, by modern standards, but I do. That's where I feel the step up going from 14 into 15. That's that's when that's when stuff gets real. But um, yeah, then the womb, I think, would be quite a bit harder than strength and anger. So I see where you're coming from as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a great map set. Definitely. Oh yeah. Um. So to, I guess, like tie into that a little bit, you tend to sort of enjoy difficult Doom wards. Is that something that you gravitate towards in other games? Like, do you generally play challenging games, or, or not so much? Uh, absolutely. I think <clears throat> it's not necessarily looking to be challenged, but I just don't want to be bored. And mm -hmm. I have this curse where. So long as I'm playing something, if there is a way to have, oops, I performed badly, I made a mistake, an easily identifiable mistake that caused me to die, for example, then I kind of enter into the spiral of trying to understand why that happened and how I cannot do it again. So it, it doesn't matter if I'm playing Doom or you know Crash Team Racing or whatever I'm playing, if there's a way to get better at it observably, then I just that's the most enjoyment I get out of that thing is analyzing the mistakes that I'm making, any flaws in my play, which there are always plenty of, and trying to theory craft a way to get and be better. And if you're doing that just accidentally, really by circumstance, I don't, I don't mean to be doing that. I just always find myself doing it that way and playing that way. Then you have to seek out harder and harder wads. You end up in this arms race of just having to eat spicier and spicier food because your mouth keeps getting tougher and you just want, you don't even want that same high, but you just want to be able to notice the the level of spiciness that is in your mouth in a given meal. So it's, uh, yeah, I love Sunlust for that reason because <clears throat> it was a really, at the time, it was considered a really highly difficult wad. And uh, I'm always playing the really hard stuff that comes out. and uh, And if it's too hard, then you back off and you come back later. I'm not looking to grind it out and have a rough time, right? I want to enjoy myself, but I just find that the it has to be considered pretty challenging for it to be engaging enough after 20 years of, of playing it, right? Anybody would be decent at anything after doing it for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is true. 10,000 hours to master or whatever, you know, they say. Yeah, and and I'm I must be at what like fifty to seventy thousand hours of Doom by now. I, That's I, I guess Steam That's wasn't around to track it for me. <laughs> yeah, all my life, but it's a lot. So 
even a even a goof like me can get half decent at something if you just never stop doing it mm -hmm. and when did you start streaming on twitch that was really recent actually that was oh. that was something i swore i would never do i was so convinced wow. i would never be able to do that um because i just i didn't think i'd be able to get over my anxiety mm -hmm. to do it i was terrified and it's something I didn't understand the value of. It seemed a little weird. I had only watched or heard of these really big streamers. These, uh, like, who's big? These, like, XQC guys and, you know, wh whoever just the big name is, I really don't keep up with it. But you'd go in and there's this chat and it's just flying by at a million miles an hour. And you kind of start wondering, what's the purpose of this? Why are you, why type in here if nobody's going to see it? So I, I wasn't understanding the real benefits of this Twitch environment. And then when I finally was talked into doing it, because I'm so small and unpopular, thank God, <laughs> you, you get to kick up a stream and you'll have, what, like 15 people come by and you can have fun conversations while you're playing a game. So it's, it totally reoriented my perspective on it. And I realized, oh, it's basically just like, I want to play a game right now and I don't want to play it alone. And I can just have some company. Some people can come by. People can bully me when I don't follow my own how-to Doom advice. <laughs> it's and it's hilarious and embarrassing. And uh, and it was a great time. But yeah, I don't think I started again. I'm so bad with the dates, but it was it was just last year. It was 2022. Oh, okay. And it would have been for old still life map nine. Well, that I that's pretty specific. You don't remember the date, but. Yeah, because it became this game of uh, I couldn't beat that map Sableless. Uh, I couldn't overcome my anxiety enough to beat that map Sableless. It's horrifying. Have you played Old Still Life Map 9? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. I can't remember. Oh, I might have played it's... it in Xandra with Rubik's, actually. I think maybe he wanted me to play it, and so we, we ran through it. But that's not exactly the, the true experience. Yeah, it's a... Uh... But, but yeah, you know what? I'm... The Cyber Demon turret one where you're just you're waiting in various rooms while cyber demons fire at you and you're just trying to stay alive long enough to ride a lift or hit a switch but in recording it privately in my office here i just wasn't able to beat it over like four hours of attempts on this tiny little map mm -hmm. i'd just be too shaky so i finally i put out the video that people had been kind of waiting for which is when's the next old still life playthrough coming out and it culminated with my not being able to beat it. So then I just made this promise. I said, hey, won't it be fun if how about I'm going to beat it this time, but I'll do it live and, uh, you know, we'll do it in front of a live audience and then I'll be even more anxious. And wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> and so that would have been the first stream. I remember it very clearly because it was terrifying and uh, it was like a. Oh, yeah, it was like a character growth experience <laughs> where I survived streaming and thought, hey, that was a lot of fun. Maybe I can do this. I do find that the irony of that is that I like I personally play about 10 times worse when I stream than when I'm oh, just yeah. playing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah, you can't not. If, if, you, if you stream and you're not 10 times worse, you're a robot. Yeah. There's something deeply broken about you, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on stream, and that was another thing I had to get used to, is I just could not believe how bad i was i mean it was uh it was <laughs> it was like when i played your map 
in the community <laughs> project, which we'll talk about a bit later. But when I played that off stream, I think it took maybe like, I want to say like six, seven attempts. And then on stream, I just got whomped for like 20 minutes. Yeah, it's frustrating, right? Because for, for me, it's not even about, I'm not worried if people think that I'm bad. That's fine. And maybe I am bad. But it's just frustrating to expect a certain level of proficiency from yourself. Yeah, I think that's and then what you're, it is. Yeah, you're, you're watching your own hands play the game wrong. And you're just <laughs> like, hey, listen to me. Why aren't you doing what I know to do? Why are we this bad? Yep, and that's it was, exactly yeah, it. It was shocking. Because I, I, I was already worse just recording to put things on YouTube. I was so nervous. I, I go back now, and if I watch... Because someone mentioned it the other day, my original Augur Zenith playthrough. You can hear how carefully I'm speaking because I'm so, so nervous. <laughs> well, recording and, is like another thing, I think, where you're like, well, I can get this perfect, so I might as well get it perfect. And then you re-record the same fight like six times. <laughs> well, that would have been smart. Where were you at the start of 2022? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I would just do, I would play the map blind, privately because my the goal for the playthrough was to just kind of do a walkthrough style classic youtube this is where everything is mm -hmm. Pr probably just doing what i'd seen decino do right you just you you are your influences what else is there to it but uh so i would play it once blind and then i would start recording and then i would just play the map mm -hmm. so i always felt this immense pressure where it's like oh my god if i die it's going to be in the video forever and yeah. i think i miraculously made it through augur zenith without dying but as soon as we moved into other wads, I was dying on camera all the time. But uh, yeah, I just, it was funny because I knew I was going to play worse because I was nervous and I already played worse in recording. But on Twitch, oh my God, it was even, even worse than that. But uh, it just makes for better content, I guess. If I'm terrible, you get to come by and make fun of me. That's true. And uh, sometimes I do, I think. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, you are, you are devastating. I don't think I actually really make fun of me that much. <laughs> well, you should. Um, you do seem to put like a decent amount of work into editing uh, the videos down, I guess, uh, to make them like a bit more interesting for viewing, I guess, like usually just cutting, uh, cutting certain bits out so that you can, you know, maybe trim it down a little bit. What's the process like for just a Let's Play video? Yeah, that was something, again, I have no original ideas. I steal everything. So um, I was just watching Ryukar do Mario Maker runs on YouTube. And what I really liked about his style was that he would play the map blind. And then when he died, he would cut the footage until he reached the part that he died at again. So you would see the same part maybe 15 times in a row until he beat it. But you would never have to rewatch something he had already beaten. Right. So the uh, the clarity and the sort of narrative thread of how the level is played was preserved and it was really easy to follow because you'd never be jumping back in time. So I started doing uh, this process where I would, people started asking for blind playthroughs on YouTube. So I basically just stole what I'd seen Ryukar do because it worked so well, where I'd play the map blind and when I died, I would... Uh, because I'm playing it Sableless, I'd have to play the map again, but I would cut the footage in editing to take all of that out, and you would rejoin me when I reached the fight that I died at, and we just give that another go. Mm -hmm. But what was f funny is 
that works perfectly for Mario Maker because a Mario Maker map takes like between 15 and 60 seconds to beat. So yeah. it's not that much of a pain. Whereas doing like Archeon map six, where it takes like 45 minutes to get to the end of the map, if you die in the final fight, uh, I have to play another 45 minutes to get back there just to get that minute of video that needs to go on the end. Mm-hmm. So I ended up I ended up regretting the process because <laughs> it was such a pain to have to do. And then I would have these conversations with myself where I'd be like, why don't I just save off camera? I should just save off camera and the content's going to be the same. But then I would think, no, I said it was saveless, so I have to go back and do it all over again, you know, or it's dishonest. So I would torture myself doing it. And I guess you might anyway. change the uh, the feeling of it too, like uh the nervousness in your voice or you know whatever it is <laughs> the nervous energy of being at the end of a map that you know you're gonna have to redo again that's exactly right and it's 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 ever present in those playthroughs where it'll just be me fighting one cyber demon and it should be free who can't do that these days but i'm so nervous because if i mess it up i just lost 35 minutes of my life i've got to go back and do this map again up to this fight so yeah if i had saved before that off camera then you're right the emotional journey wouldn't be the same Mm -hmm. so there's another reason to have to have done it but yeah it was just it all came from just watching somebody else do blind playthroughs that way thinking it was a fun viewing experience and not thinking hard enough about how difficult of a recording experience that'll become when you try to translate it to gameplay that takes is up to an hour to uh get to a certain point in it uh but but yeah people seem to enjoy it so i guess it was all all for the best at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and i guess a a little more recently you moved into doing like some analytical content uh your video uh about monster priority uh what made you want to tackle like analyzing dune gameplay that was all born of just this thing that i would always be doing anyway or I'm just sitting down after I would do something wrong in Doom specifically and try to explain to myself what was really going on there and why what I did didn't work and what I could have done differently to be quote unquote better. And sometimes I would sit down with a friend of mine, like my buddy Dave, shout out Dave, love that guy to death. And uh, he's not a big Doom player, but he would always entertain me where I would you know, have a, we'd watch somebody else's gameplay maybe on YouTube and I would explain to him what they're doing right at some points, right Mm -hmm. in my opinion, of course, and what the mistakes that they're making. And we just kind of talk about gameplay that way. And that to me is the best part of the experience. That's my favorite thing is just getting to think about stuff and crunch numbers and test experiments. So I think it was pretty early on in the channel, maybe maybe after just about a month of deciding to put playthroughs on the channel, I did my first analysis video and then did a few more after that. But I just love thinking way too deeply about things. And I love the process for trying to break down information into its most digestible form to help the unengaged disseminate it more easily. I just, I think that that is its own skill set i think that they're yeah. the, the best analogy i can think of is a, a guitar teacher i had in high school i was venting to once because 
our calculus teacher was just a huge jerk. And he was obviously a smart guy who knew all the math, but students would get lost and they'd say, can you explain that again? And he would say, I'm not explaining that again. Like, it's easy. You should know this. If you're, if you're not getting it, you know, that's not my problem. And he's obviously a terrible teacher. Uh, but when I was, yeah, it was awful, right? <laughs> but does he know what a I teacher was, is? I don't know. I guess not. But uh, when I was explaining that to my guitar teacher, who was a wonderful guy, he said the problem sometimes is the most knowledgeable people about any given field make the worst teachers if they never had to struggle to better understand the content. They never had a moment where they just didn't get it for three weeks straight. And then finally, oh, I understand. They never had to go through that. It always came easily. So when other people are tripping over things, they can't help them to understand it because they don't get what's not to get. So what I've always been really passionate about, and I did a bunch of tutoring all through college and I really enjoyed it, is realizing that there's knowing how to do something and then there's being able to explain how to do that thing and why it's important. And for some reason, I just find that really entertaining. So I started making these analysis videos because I just love the process of, okay, now I think I know what the lesson is to be learned here. I think I know what the advice I want to communicate is. Now to start the puzzle of trying to solve how to condense that down to 15 minutes or less and make sure that anybody can understand it because it's a video they can't stop it and ask me a question i just have to make sure that the information's there so it's just it's just a love of explaining things i guess i don't know how psycho that makes me sound but that's me i mean it's a big ticket item for a resume you know that's what they want out there someone i guess so break down complicated information uh and I like I personally think that like that kind of analysis is like missing a little bit for Doom, which I mean I made a couple of like analysis videos as well, uh specifically for that reason. Um so I was wondering I mean, I'm assuming you plan on like creating a lot more content like that. Like do you have something in the works right now? Absolutely, all the time. It's just really this issue of how long it takes to make it when you're not very good at making it which is me. Hi, hello. I'm terrible <laughs> at the, <laughs> me the video editing process. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And I have now that I've started incorporating me on the green screen into the videos, <laughs> there's this added obstacle of I'm terrified to be on that green screen and I'll have to record the same line 16, 17 times in a row just out of nervousness because I don't trust that it's it's going to be a good recording of that line and I waste all my time and then I throw it all out and I start over from the ground up because I'm too anxious about it. But I that's my favorite content to put on the channel. I have actually decided to just not really put the playthrough videos on the channel anymore because people are already doing that and they're doing it better than I am, right? You can go watch, go watch Dacino. He's the king of it. Or if you want to see just like ridiculous speed runs, then you could watch like, you know, Kinetic Beverage or any of those just Chad Maxers that are ridiculous, right? We hmm. don't need me. I'm not contributing. I kind of disagree. So, I will say I 100% disagree because I... Oh, sure. 
I've actually recently been saying that I think we need like more people who are just doing like casual playthrough content uh, for Doom because I do feel like there's been like a constant kind of angling upwards into everybody playing difficult content all the time and that's the focus and uh, you know more delving into speedruns and and all this kind of stuff which is great obviously like it's really good content but uh i i mean i saw a lot of people in your comments just people talking about your channel who said they really enjoy like your general sort of calm attitude and you know the way that you just sort of deal with situations as they come and all that stuff and i think like that kind of just kind of relaxed environment for playing doom is maybe something that there needs to be more of personally but you know what opinion. that's a great point actually that's uh you, you may reverse my opinion on that matter <laughs> i'm sure if i if i sat back and and we talked about that at length you, you'd probably change my mind um but uh, yeah yeah that's that's great I'll, I'll have to think a little more about that because that's a nice way to put it i guess the majority of the doom playthrough content is just the crazy high octane stuff that's unattainable to the average player so maybe we need more chumps like me just doing whatever um yeah i'll, I'll sit with that i'll i'll let you uh let it's true. I'll let you inform my opinion there i think there's a <laughs> lot of like goal oriented stuff on youtube too right like it's a lot of you see in the thumbnail it's like uv max pistol start hardest map yet you know like <laughs> it's real like hey, this is the focus. The focus is on I'm completing a challenge or whatever, as opposed to, hey, I'm playing a bit of Doom today. You know? Right, yeah. And even within that, there's different vibes, right? Because there's there's the Decino vibe, which I love, which is he's including those things in the thumbnail, but it's it's a challenge to himself. He's not here to show off in, in any capacity. He's not here to demonstrate he's here to find out if he can beat that map sableless pistol start but then yeah there's this other camp which i also enjoy watching uh but there's that's definitely this camp of i'm going to prove that i can do this to everybody else or i can do it fastest or i'm just going to collect as many of these kind of records as i can and there's nothing wrong with that either they're just different vibes but I yeah yeah it's not i'm not steeping it in any kind of negativity really I, I suppose i'm just saying that that when i look at doom youtube or or even tw a lot of twitch streams i feel like a lot of the time that is kind of the vibe absolutely yeah and i wonder if some of that just comes from like you're gonna put something on youtube and you're wondering wh why what's the purpose like what am i doing so yeah. if you have something you can describe about it uh, like it's an achievement. Like I'm the first person to get a sableless exit on this map, or I have the fastest time on this. Then that is a larger impetus to share that because it's a a momentous thing, instead of just the maybe casual accidental narcissism of oh well I was uh, playing this today, so I'm sure you'd love to watch that. And you know, sometimes I get caught up in that trap where I'll be putting something on YouTube and then I'll, I'll again, overthink it. And I'll ask myself, why am I putting this out here? Like, am I, am I just asking people to pay attention to me? Am I deluding myself into thinking that we're here to enjoy the map? But really I, you know, are there people who just want the attention? And it's just something that 
that's always at the back of my mind that I, I get nervous about where I just wonder, like, if I'm posting a playthrough of this map, is somebody watching that? Is that going to supplant their desire to download it and play it themselves? And have I accidentally taken away a play of some artist's creation? They didn't feel the need to play the map because they watched me do it. And <laughs> that's you know, a strange thing to think about, I feel like. Yeah, I I agree. I, I I hear myself say it and I don't think that I'm on my side with it, but it's just thoughts that I they're always flying through my head, right? As I I don't want to be being a jerk anywhere I go. And sometimes I'm too cautious and sometimes I'm not cautious enough and I'm accidentally a jerk and then I feel horrible about it. Um, but I just think, yeah, it's interesting that you're right, that a lot of the content out there, the playthrough content is the big achievements. And there's not a lot of just, hey, you know, this is a neat map. Let's uh, let's check this out. And so, yeah, maybe there does need to be more of that. But I don't know that I'm the guy to do it. You know, I'm, I'm not sure what I what I've really been enjoying the most is the stuff that to me feels higher effort. Just for me, again, I don't mean to cast a negative light on anybody else because I'm watching all this content. I'm watching all these Decino playthroughs. You know, KB puts out a run on his channel. I'm watching it. So I, I love that content. But I just feel when I'm putting something on my YouTube, I, I get a little guilty about it if I don't feel like I put a lot of effort into it. Mm -hmm. And it reached the point with those playthroughs where I thought, I'm just kind of kicking these out and I'm not really, I didn't, I didn't recognize at the time what I was contributing that was unique. The Dean is making these incredible wad reviews, these highly written, heavily edited, this incredible content, right? That nobody else is really doing. So that's the Dean's contribution. And you think, thank God, Mount Payne 27 has a YouTube channel because now this thing exists and it wouldn't have otherwise. And I was trying to find my that. And then I discovered what you were saying earlier, which is that there's not a lot of the, an the analysis from the play perspective. Decino's nailing the analysis from the game engine perspective, the how do these things function under the hood? So fascinating. I love those videos. And uh, you yourself have um, your breakdowns of the monster functionality kind of from a mapping perspective, right? How you would use these monsters as a mapper. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't finding a ton of content on, as a player, what should you be doing? And what should you be thinking? And how should you be analyzing these things? So that's what I hoped to kind of make my niche. And I, I feel happiest there. I think is the answer to the question you asked maybe 25 minutes ago. <laughs> We it's I'm so we sorry. were chatting. We were chatting. It's fine. That's the point. Yeah. You know, that's what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. Um and I guess like <laughs> I mean we talked about the editing for the, the let's play stuff, but that monster priority video has a, a lot of editing in it. Um I dread to think what the timeline looked like, honestly. But oh, uh <laughs> It's got like a little custom song in there and everything. Can you talk about like the creation of that video and like how many components went into that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a nightmare. That was, that was just, you know, the worst part is now that I've done it that way and I like it the best so far, I have to keep doing it. 
Oof. That's always, but- yeah, that is the worst part because I, when I upload something and I'm like, okay, I did all of this to do it, uh, or even with mapping, like, I made a map this complex, now the next map has to also be this complex or whatever, you know? Yep, exactly. You're always trying to push the envelope, right? There's this mm-hmm. fear like, oh, I'll let people down if they've come to expect this level of quality from me and suddenly you do anything less than Fractured Worlds and you feel like you failed even though Fractured Worlds was maybe the best wad that I played in 2022. Actually, there's no maybe. It's not close. It was the best wad I played in 2022. Whoa. Big compliment. Thank you. Well, you did a phenomenal job. It, and you know, I mean, I was effusive while I was playing through it on stream and you were dropping by. That it was uh, a very was enjoyable uh, playthrough to watch, yeah. I, I think I already said this, but I, I felt like you you played through each like encounter how I pictured them being play, <laughs> played through, kind of, I suppose. Yeah, which speaks to how uncreative I am, but I'm the perfect playtester, I guess. <laughs> doing, doing exactly what you want me to do. But yeah, no, excellent work on that. And I totally, I get where you're coming from. And yeah, I have the same fear that I want to put out another how-to Doom and I don't want it to look like the Revenants video because yeah. I look back on that and I think I didn't do a very good job at all with that comparatively so i want it to be more like the monster priority one and uh yeah i've signed myself up for some big stuff and if i'm being honest with myself we're probably looking at two to three of those per year (laughs) if i can (laughs) manage it but uh yeah the timeline to answer the timeline question i mean it was nine or ten layers tall at various points where there's just like doom footage, sometimes doubled up doom footage. There's the green screen. There's any text elements, uh, pictures and visual aids and things. Lots of animations. Just anything I thought was kind of cute at the time. Because as I was writing it, um, I didn't want to write any comedy for it. I, as a hobby, am a comedy writer. But I, I'm thinking I'm making a- an educational video I don't want to sit down and write jokes for it. I'm not going to extend the length of this video by writing jokes. But in the editing process, as I was discovering things that I thought were funny, I would include them because they're tickling me. But there was no no drive to be funny. But as uh, as I'm going through it, yeah, I'm finding just a bunch of things where I realize, oh, this is accidentally very funny, and I'll just highlight it yeah. with some visual. And then that ends up being an hour of your time. The whole video probably uh-huh. took like over a hundred just man hours to uh, to make. Mostly because I'm I'm bad at that sort of thing and very slow, and I'm always having to Google how to do something. But yeah, it's all just it was all discovery. It was all just every step of the way, thinking, oh, you know what? This it was funny that I recorded just, but why seventeen times in a row? <laughs> so why don't I make fun of myself for that? Because I genuinely did it. And I'll just show four of them in the same video. And and I'll show the moment where I got mad at myself because I'd said it so many times and it still didn't sound good to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just injecting yourself into it. Uh, but that song, the little How to Doom song, I had just found on my phone that I recorded with the very famous Dave, I've already mentioned once, mm-hmm. my good buddy Dave. and we had recorded that song idea years earlier on just a phone on a chair in a room and an electric drum kit plugged into a monitor and an electric guitar, but just all clean with no effects on it. (laughs) Just so we would remember 
rhythmically and melodically what this song idea was. <laughs> so then I, f- I find that on my phone and I go, I love the energy of this. I love the it was fun. So I thought that's my how to doom theme, threw it into my audio editor, saying the words how to doom over it, and then just blasted it with reverb until you hopefully couldn't tell that it sounded terrible. Because uh, I just didn't have, I didn't have it in me to record a better version of it. I didn't have the instruments around and I wasn't going to not do it. I wasn't going to not incorporate that idea. So I just did the crappiest version of it possible. And uh, hopefully it's funny. I don't know. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, thank you. To spy your thank self-deprecation. You. Uh, it's a yeah it's not i mean i'm not self-deprecating just to deprecate i i genuinely am deeply ashamed of all that i am and do (laughs) well you shouldn't be thank you uh well that's sweet of you to say i was gonna ask you if you had any experience with uh you know like acting or film like uh, i feel like the editing and there's clearly like an ability to talk confidently and some element of like script writing that you must have done in the past it felt like for that video yeah a lot of writing probably my mainstay hobby is as a writer Mm -hmm. i have done i've written a lot of like comedy pilots and things that uh will never get made and i'm i'm not looking to get made uh i enter competitions all the time and i can't i can't give you more information than that because i feel like i'd be just be leaking you know, my name basically. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that would be the main thing. And then as far as like acting and other film stuff goes, I I've never wanted to be a part of that, but I always find myself having to do it because you'll write a sketch and then you're filming it with your friends and you'll realize, Oh, who's going to play the mailman. And I, suddenly I have to play the mailman <laughs> and I'm terrified. So I've Always done a lot of that mailman. in my life. Always the mailman, never the bride. I was going to say, and... <laughs> never the bride. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's just out of necessity, I do have a bit of experience being in front of a camera and trying to deliver a line properly. But I'm just, my skin crawls every time, every time I do it. It's not what I like to do. I'd much rather be behind camera. If I had the money to be running this YouTube channel and doing these how-to dooms and hiring actors and editors, you would never see me again. <laughs> I would be totally behind the scenes. I'd For be the ghost. worst. For the worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, That's, uh, I disagree, <laughs> but I appreciate it. <laughs> so an, uh, another sort of interesting thing on your YouTube channel is that you made a Doom launcher, apparently. Uh, yeah. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I I can tell by your use of the word apparently that you've never used it and would never well, touch it with a 40-foot pole, which I respect. you got to understand, if I'm not loading a WOD with command prompt manually, I'm loading it by dragging and dropping the files that I need onto it. So I do it in uh, a pretty terrible way. I've never used it too much. <laughs> I never intend to, but uh, for everyone else out there, this may be for you. Right. And if your car doesn't have a stick shift, it's just not even worth driving like that kind of thing. No, I'm not that kind of person at all, really. (laughs) I I don't know why, but uh, I've always loaded Doom up with a command prompt. And for some reason, you know, I'm an 80 year old man in that one aspect of my life. 
Yeah, and it probably just it's habit at this point, right? Why change? It doesn't bother you in your day to day. So, well, not, I don't like I don't like batch files. I guess I never in, I never liked that process. It felt way more clunky to me because I'm so used to command prompt. It's very easy for me. Uh, I don't know. Right. There, there's a yeah. lot of reasons why I don't. Also, like my folders are really disorganized, and <laughs> I intend to keep it that way. <laughs> there are a lot of reasons. That's funny. I, yeah, I was I was a batch file guy, and I would jump I jump around a lot between wads all the time. So rather than rewriting the same batch file, I would have like twenty five in a folder. And if I want to play old still life, I click the old still life batch file, and so on and so forth. And one day I just realized, like, wait a minute, I am a programmer. <laughs> I hate this. Why am I doing it every day? There have been days where I didn't play Doom because I thought, oh, I have to write a batch file and I'm just, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, so right. Decided... See, this is why. Batch files suck. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm lazy enough that even having to write the command prompts, I would bail. I'd be like, F this, dude. I'll just go write some poetry instead. That's but uh, yeah, it's just I realized that I could write a launcher. It wouldn't take more than maybe an afternoon. And then I'd never have to do this again. So I, uh, yeah, I wrote this crappy launcher and like ancient.net and got it all working. And then as I was using it, I think I was talking to bread, love bread, by the way, great dude. And, uh, he was complaining about batch files maybe. And I said, Oh, I have this launcher. You can use mine. And so it ended up just being bread and I using it for a while. And then it ended up just working well enough that I thought, uh, you know what? I could probably just release this. It's a small scale enough thing. It wouldn't take me more than a couple weeks to test and prepare for public consumption because you have to be so careful with that. It's you can't just hand out your crap uh, if you want to be a good dude. So I worked on it extensively just to make sure that I'd caught like every possible failure case so no one would be inconvenienced and then put it out. And yeah, a lot of people seem to like it and the design I guess the more interesting thing is the design aim of it was just to have it be as simple as possible mm -hmm. because you can get ZDL and it's way better, right? It does everything. It does everything, but it's also kind of hard to learn. And I've tried to cultivate this YouTube channel of being supportive of brand new players. I want to help you play the game better. I want to have a little tutorial for how do I even play Doom? You know, I wasn't around in the 90s and i'm not tech savvy what, what do i do what's a batch file what do you mean run it from a command prompt that that doesn't can't i just click it in steam so i realized there might be that obstacle where how i won't write a batch file one day because i'm too lazy someone might not play doom at all because they're intimidated by this zdl launcher stuff and what's dosbox and what's gz doom and what am i doing so I realized I just wanted to write a little UI. It's all it is. It's a glorified string builder. It's nothing. It's a trivial project. But it just lets you hit check boxes. You want no monsters? Just check the box. You don't have to type anything. You click Doom 2, you click Ultraviolence, and you click Go. And, you know, just to simplify that process. And it was just, yeah, it's just fun. Sometimes I'm lazy in the programmer way where I will do something incredibly efforted and time consuming if it means I don't have to do something else 
that's maybe even less efforted or time consuming later. Mm-hmm. Like when I have the energy, I will front load the task so that it's easy later. And uh, the math, I don't think works out on that, but it feels better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do hear that a lot about programmers. Where oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, I can't remember what's that little, um, this is one of those moments where I forget the name and then you don't know the name and then uh, we come to nothing on this. But there are those little, oh, like these little boxes you can get that are just for doing simple programming things and, and a lot of people use them just to like handle some little minute day-to-day task or something for them. A little. Are you talking about like Scratch? No. I'll cut this out. Little boxes? <laughs> <laughs> No, don't cut it out. Don't cut it out. I knew this is what would happen there. I really my whole vibe is exactly this. You you have to you have to leave in. I thought Ancient Aliens was my first major P one, even though I played it after my favorite. I think it's called Raspberry. Is it Raspberry Pi? Raspberry something? Oh, you mean like a physical box? I believe so. I see. I was picturing yeah, Raspberry Pi is a very small computer. That you can just yeah. you know put little programs of your own creation on and do a bunch of stuff with it it's just it's just a small computer it's basically nothing else yeah well that was yeah. what i was thinking of uh i see when you said boxes i thought like drag and drop boxes and a ui and i was like coding with drag and drop boxes and then i pictured like that old that programming language for kids where you're like it's called scratch and there's a little cat that you can move around. Yeah, that's what I was talking but... about. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, we got there in the end uh, for no real benefit. Uh, but yeah. Um. One thing that is sort of really great about your Twitch channel is the Twitch plays Doom uh, little segments that you do, where you'll get the chat to contribute to the stream by using certain commands that directly force your player character to do things in game. Things like, you know, like firing your gun and like, I don't know, they can activate an invuln if they want to help you uh, or remove the invuln immediately, which people (laughs) tend to do. Uh, They can even make you jump and stuff. Uh, This idea just sort of stemmed from, you know, the other Twitch plays that had occurred and and you thought it would function well for Doom. Eventually, yeah, but the initial idea came from I am so bad at Doom when I'm streaming that I would frequently forget what guns I have and uh, where, where keys, where I'd get completely lost. And, you know, I would make something really hard for myself and then ch- chat would have to be like, why are you not using the BFG you have 600 cells for? And I'd go, <laughs> Oh shoot. Do I have a BFG? My bad. So then, uh, it was this thought of, man, it would be nice if chat could just pull out my BFG for me and mm-hmm. then they don't have to suffer. I don't have to suffer. And then the realization, yeah, exactly as you said, wait, people have done these things before where Twitch interacts with the game they're playing. And then I thought, uh, that sounds like a fun thing to try to build. I'd never made a a chat bot before. I hadn't done a lot of like talking to, like connecting to API endpoints and sending information back and forth. And I didn't know what internet relay chat protocol was. So it ended up just being a super fun experience to learn how to do this as I built it. And yeah, to try and build a little bot that would just hang out in my Twitch chat 
and listen for when people would type in commands or redeem channel points maybe for those commands. And then since I'm an agent of chaos, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this so they can help me, I have to let them hurt me as well. And started putting in silly stuff. Like they can bring up my auto map to blind me. That's my favorite one. Jump. I think. Oh, it's Brad's favorite is just turning off auto run. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first stream we did, Brad, the turn off auto run only cost like 100 channel points or something. Maybe even less, maybe like 50. And Brad spent thousands upon thousands of his channel point <laughs> backlog just toggling off my run at the worst moments. It's, it's very uh, good. It's that amazing the, how uh, much that. The spin you. while you have a rocket launcher is always good. The 180. Yeah. Return. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll never use the 180 key genuinely, but I'll let chat use the 180 key to murder me when I've got my back against the wall and I'm trying to rocket a horde of revenants or something. It's good fun, and I think it's a little match made in heaven because my temperament is such that I like when people rib me. That's R-I-B. That's rib. Um, and I like, I like getting bullied. I think it's all part of the learning experience, and I just like the chaos. So people can come in, and I'll be like, hey, I'll try and beat the first 10 maps of Ancient Aliens, and you try to stop me, and it can go horribly wrong for me. And I still enjoy that. I don't get frustrated by it. I'm laughing the whole time because I just can't believe what people are teaming up to achieve. The The fact with the stream delay, the fact that I could die and then someone will save state uh, while I'm in the death animation. So I'm stuck and I have to restart the map. Yep. It's just beautiful. It's so funny when that stuff comes together. Brutal. There were some pretty brutal moments for sure. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, like, have you thought since about, like, things you might want to do to expand on that initial premise? I know you were talking about trying to maybe make the bot available to other streamers at some point. Yeah, that's something that I'm always thinking about. I always think, hey, I just made this thing for me, and I'm enjoying it, so why not let other people use it? But it is a very... I think people underestimate how difficult it is to make something consumer ready yeah it's really really difficult and so th since this is something that i was experimenting with the whole way you know i would just sit down one day and read the entire internet relay chat protocol to be like what is this and what does it mean and how do i use this to like connect to twitch chat from not twitch and to get it to a point where it's ready for someone who's less tech savvy than me which is saying something to use it without issue is a tall order. So I made that Twitch Plays Doom bot in three sittings, but to make it publicly available, I would probably need uh, to set aside a few months of free time here and there to just make it bulletproof, mm -hmm. just completely bulletproof. So it's something that I would love to release at some point, but it's it's nowhere near happening at the moment because first of all i'm not finished designing it for my own purposes there's other features we might like to give it so it's still in development and then when i'm done designing it so that i can use it safely it's going to take a long time to get it ready for other people to use safely yeah uh so, yeah yeah i would imagine that the testing process would be would be a challenge for something like that especially anything that you're dealing with that's you know 
online based must be a real challenge. It, yeah, exactly. And I skipped I skipped all my networking classes in college. <laughs> every oh, no. every single one. I was so bored. And uh, I'm just not a web dev. That's not my environment. Mm -hmm. So I had a I had a buddy helping me out a lot where I'd get stuck and I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And I'd just call my friend and uh, he would come by and then we'd put our heads together on it. But uh, yeah, you'd be it's surprising if you even just that Doom launcher. It looks like what could possibly go wrong with that. But you have to think about things like what if somebody chooses the source port? They're like, I'm playing with the SDA Doom. So they hook that up. And then right before they hit play, they go and delete GZ Doom or DSDA Doom, or they move it to a different folder. Mm -hmm. Like, why would anybody do that? You would think they wouldn't. But if they do, then they're going to get a weird bug. And then they're going to come knocking on your door like, hey, your launcher's not working. What happened? So you have to predict the human behavior. If you're going to be your own QA department, you have to say, what could anybody feasibly ever do in a weird order or that makes no sense that could break something? And then I have to make sure that it's not breakable in that way. So yeah. it's really, really difficult. So when you're looking at a Twitch bot where you're like, you're getting OAuth tokens and authenticating like your account and then you've got to run this Twitch bot account and then make that easy to use for your average person. It's just a huge nightmare. So it's not something I'm ruling out. It's something I'd love to do, but n no time soon for sure, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so to move into different terrain a little bit, I wanted to talk about uh, your map in Balls of Steel Community Project. Um, I guess I was curious, why do you think that map focuses so heavily on like incredibly tight setups with like little room for error? <laughs> well, um, because fundamentally that question. seems like the core of, of like the gameplay for the map, in my opinion. Uh, the intention was to have it be a set piece map. Uh, this moment and then you're done and then this moment and then that's done and then the next moment etc mm -hmm. uh, which is my favorite type of map i want you to hold my hand because remember i'm not i'm not an atmosphere guy yeah. i just like the arcadey action so hold my hand and take me fight to fight and then i've defeated the map i don't want to go on a scavenger hunt please so i knew that's what i wanted to do and then just as i was building these uh, fights, sometimes I would set them up to challenge me. The first, the starting platform with the revs uh, was designed to challenge me because my sense of space is terrible and my movement is not good. So you put me in that situation and I die all the time just by running off the edge. Mm -hmm. So that was designed to, if I'm going to demo this map, I'll just have to learn to have better movement and sense of space. So it was very rewarding to reach a point where I could beat that fight, not only 80% of the time, but most of the time you don't even take damage because I've finally, I'm finally not running off the edge. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there were other ones that I put in that I thought were reprieves. The Caco Demon fight, which now seems almost infamous among really, really talented players who have tried that fight. To me, that was the easiest fight by far. And I wanted it to be that way. I wanted it to be fun and busy, but not hard. So 
when I designed it, I set up these arch files that you have to hide from as you move left and right. You're constantly under attack and then gave you the rocket launcher. And while you're doing that, you have to hold back this crowd of caco demons. It's just a classic fundamental game design of I ask you to do two things that aren't very difficult, but at the same time. And suddenly it's it's very busy. But as I did it, I just I'd sit down and play the fight for the first time and go, okay, I like the idea, but this is obviously way too easy because you don't even have to like hide from anything. And I'd buff it and buff it and buff it. And I just never got it to a point where it was killing me with any kind of consistency. And I started getting nervous about it. And then I handed it in uh, an early version into the uh, the Balls of Steel Discord to have play tested. And the feedback was coming back like, isn't the difficulty a little absurd? And that was just taking me completely by surprise because I'm wondering, what are you struggling with? And then you'd watch people play it and you'd go, oh, they're doing this caco fight completely wrong, which is interesting. And it seems kind of sinister almost how easy it is to do that wrong and think that you're doing it right. And I'm talking for too long, but the point I'm trying to make... <laughs> is that fight, I think, frequently gets identified as having no room for error. And I, I think it's the opposite. I think, I think you can play it sloppy as, as all get out and still be fine if your strategy is correct from the start. And the vast majority of otherwise really talented players, better than me easily, uh, are doing is they're, they're getting into this fight and they're just doing the wrong strategy right at the start ever so slightly. So that strategy is maybe never going to win unless they play like a god. So since they're dying all the time, they're thinking, I feel like I get it. I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not surviving. So this, you just must have to play perfectly. But it's actually that if you have the proper strategy, it's, it's not that hard to do, I think, comparatively. And there is a lot of freedom. But it's just tricky to identify that small mistake that you're making, strategically speaking. But I, I guess the, the point is just that as far as game design always goes, whatever you think is the hard part just never seems to be the hard part. And what you think is the easy part never seems to be the easy part. Um, I think but that fight was fascinating to see people react to. Yeah, I think it's pretty common. I mean, when you make something yourself, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's not even so much about knowing, oh, this is what's going to happen in the fight or whatever, but you just, you understand it on a on a more fundamental level. And, you know, there are fights that you can just do and you think they're totally fine and then you put them out and, and people are just getting absolutely decimated by them. And <laughs> it's like... Uh, and yeah, it'll be like really good players. Like I'll have fight. I had fights in like entropy and stuff. I think where I was like, yeah, this is fine. And then like Ankalagon would play, it and he'd be like, oh, I think this is a bit hard or whatever. And I'm like, well, it must be if Ankalagon <laughs> is saying it's too hard. I you have to get. I think like for me, I had to get to a point where I'm like, if you know, if someone like this is telling me the fight is too difficult, then I I need to maybe look at it again because the blind players that are gonna look at are gonna play this fight are not Ankelagon. So uh, that's right. That's a great yeah. point. And it's like, does it matter whether or not it's hard if it's being consistently interpreted as too hard? Right? Is that its own problem? Or is might... it like, have I 
am I trying, like, do I want this fight, which is fine, do, like, do I want this fight to be, you have to do it this way, otherwise it's excruciatingly difficult, which is a totally fine way to design a fight, but you have to ask yourself the question of, like, should I make it a one strategy fight, or should I make it a fight that's, like, open to interpretation by the player so that they can find their own way to beat it kind of thing? Great point. Great point. And that's probably the Achilles heel of that Caco Demon fight is I built it around a specific task. I expect the player to do this in this way. And if you don't do that in that way, then you get blown out essentially every time. So it then makes sense to watch very good players, very good players go in and die dozens to hundreds of times in a row at this uh, short fight. Because they they don't know that they're doing something fundamentally wrong. And there's not much about the fight that's communicating that you're doing something fundamentally wrong, except that you're dying. But again, the conclusion that you could come to is I'm dying because I didn't quite do it well enough. And so that would be my mistake then as the mapper, where I'm just thinking the solution is easier to find than it is maybe. And which is it goes back into exactly what we were saying before is. I, as a as a teacher, right? I never struggled with that fight because I I knew what it was from the beginning, so I didn't get what's not to get. So then to watch Dan struggle with that fight is confusing until you realize, oh, I didn't I didn't even think about it, but people are trying to do it this way, and on the surface that makes yeah. sense. I mean, it consistently it happens. Yeah, the more you make stuff, and the more people test it for you. You will test it a hundred times and it will be consistent and it will seem like the fight A works and, and B plays the way you think it will play. Even if you're trying to play it in a different way yourself during testing, as soon as you put it out to someone who isn't you, you will you will pretty much always get like a different different result. People will like yeah. like and and a lot of the time it's not even a skill thing. I remember there's a secret fight in map two of Fractured Worlds. I think Gazebo beat that fight in like one attempt. And then Zul got like, uh, he took ages to beat it. Like it took him a whole bunch of attempts. And obviously, I mean, I'm not calling Gazebo out or anything, but <laughs> Zul is, is a slightly better player. But um, just due to the way that they both wanted to approach it individually, they ended up like having a different experience with the fight. So, I mean, there are just so many variables in testing and, and when you watch people play your stuff and you really have to like, I feel like you have to get as many perspectives on a fight as possible when you do your testing. Yeah, and I, I love that we have in the Doom community some players that are just so obviously phenomenal at the game that just watching them struggle with something is an almost like objective statement about it's being probably too difficult to mm -hmm. be enjoyable, like almost always. So when I'm, uh, w w when you design something and then like, yeah, Zul struggles with it or Vile struggles with it or, or Dan struggles with it, right? You're just like, obviously something is amiss here because these players, if these players can't do it within a dozen tries, then who's going to be able to do this at all? Is it even fun? But then I guess it comes down to 
an interesting question, which is up to each mapper about each fight. And that's, is the challenge supposed to be in doing or is the challenge supposed to be in solving? Is it supposed to be hard to figure out what to do and then easy to do it? Or is it supposed to be easy to figure out what to do and then hard to do it? And I think with that Caco Demon fight in particular in Oh Grape, um, I think it's, I didn't mean for this. I made a mistake. I've messed up, but it ended because I thought it would be easy to figure out and easy to do. It turns out it's pretty surprisingly difficult to figure out, but then I think easy to do once you know. And I think the proof in that is that, yeah, people will die a hundred times in a row and then it clicks and suddenly they they play it four more times and they beat it three out of those four times. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that it's not actually hard to do, but maybe it was accidentally too hard to figure out. And personally with that fight, I'm comfortable with that because of how consistent it is after you figure it out. But I think that people are correct to call out, hey, this might be too difficult uh, because it's just it's just not obvious that you don't have the correct solution. Whereas sometimes it is. Sometimes you do something wrong in a fight and you go, well, obviously it wasn't that. And in Mm -hmm. that Kako fight, you don't have that moment. Well, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of room to play. mm -hmm. I will say that none of what I was saying is. Even though we were initially talking about that fight. (laughs) And <laughs> none of that was commentary on your fight, realistically. I I tend to do a thing where I will just start musing uh, more generally about, <laughs> you know, the concepts in, uh, <laughs> in general without necessarily uh, talking specifically about that. I would never say to someone, uh, unless I think it's like really a big problem, I'm always going to be like, here are my thoughts, but objectively speaking, you obviously don't have to change anything. Uh, you know. But I mean, from my perspective, I mean, your commentary would be welcome. And I think it's important to recognize uh, your betters, or at least at the very bare minimum, the people who are more experienced than you. So you are an accomplished mapper. This is my first map I've ever put out. So if you just come along and you offer no explanation and you were to just say, I don't think this is very good, you should change it. I mean, I feel like that would be maybe good enough reason to just take another look and maybe change it. Uh, In my opinion, I don't have to agree. And obviously it'd be better if you would actually articulate why, but there just comes a point where you've seen so much of this and you've done so much of this that it would be crazy for me to, let's say here through the grapevine, oh, Nirvana thinks that that fight's not very balanced. I would immediately be wanting to quiz you on that so that i know because i want to find out what i did wrong my I default think position if i would if i were to ever wrong. make like a comment like i don't think this is good you should change it it would nearly always be about something like you put obstructive geometry around in the fight that the player can get caught on and it makes movement like uncomfortable and i would always add the addendum if that's intended that's fine like if there's intentionality behind one of these things i may disagree with it but that's totally fine but if there's no intentionality uh, and the geometry is just there for aesthetics and the player happens to be getting caught on it and it's making the fight uh feel awkward and less fun to play then it's something i would say consider changing you know but i would say that if whenever there's intentionality involved i'm always gonna say it's up to you whether to change it or not i guess I, I love that. I agree completely. I would uh, 
I mean, I'm, I'm not qualified to be giving advice on mapping other than like from what I know that I like as a player, but I think that's the best way to look at it, right? As this thing is really annoying, but that's not necessarily bad unless the intention is not to have it be annoying. Exactly. The mistake yeah. has been made. Yeah. I just, uh, like now, now I'm musing, so I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you in any way. I'm just realizing how clumsily I explained something a minute ago. But I just mean to say that, um, yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about offering commentary, even very negative commentary on something that I had ever done. And I would hope that no one would have to worry about doing that for anybody's anything. I would hope, perhaps naively, that we're all in it to learn and to get better. And one of the quickest ways to get better is to find out what you've definitely done incorrectly or unpleasantly and to fix that. So you can come along anytime and you can say, hey, so bad, I, uh, I played your map and I think you got a real problem in this fight and I'm all ears. Like I just, you, anybody who's coming in who has made excellent maps, you obviously are going to have an informed opinion, even if you're values don't line up with mine we have a difference in opinion but you're gonna you're going to have information that i may not have considered mm. so well I, yeah i suppose my yeah. maybe my what i'm saying is more about how the critique itself is expressed i guess but uh yeah you want to be gentle you want to be constructive well yeah constru constructive yeah i mean yeah. i used to like i did writing at uni and a lot of that was like you know you go in and you can say like the grammar's incorrect here, whatever. Uh, you might want to do this to flesh out this character or whatever, but you never openly and actively make suggestions as to what should happen in the story. Like, I think this character should, you know, be paired up with this character because I felt like they would be good together or whatever. Like, that's not really useful feedback because it's not your story kind of thing. I, yeah, I agree completely. And I would even extend that to say that you don't necessarily have to draw the line at only the objective matters, like the grammar and syntax and things. But you should be also able to come along and say, hey, um, I, I wasn't understanding why this character made this decision in this moment. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't gelling. But you're right. You, I don't think you go the extra step and say they should have done this instead. Or yep. you should make them do this. But yeah, exactly. just identifying, even subjectively, here's what wasn't working for me and why I think it wasn't working. But it's up to you to decide if you care enough to solve that, if it's even a problem, and if so, how to solve it. Yeah, and I think for mapping it's the same, or game design in general, I would suppose. It's like, I do think that as a mapper, you you reach a point and you should reach a point where you have certain things that you're just not going to change uh and when i give like tests as my maps i'll be like uh i want you to take a look at this and this like these aspects of it and they might give me feedback on a particular fight and say oh i thought this was bad or whatever and i'll take that into consideration but if it's a fight that i'm like i know this is good and i'm not going to change it then i won't change it kind of thing there are i think you should always have those elements where you're confident enough in yourself that that uh that you're <laughs> a little unflinching but i think that comes with experience and and it's not good advice for someone who's new to, to doing something yeah it that it's an interesting point and i a very 
a very dangerous balance. You're right. You <laughs> need to learn to recognize your own worth, your own value, the value of specific ideas that you've put forth. There are things that you just, I believe in this, and I think that it is fun or it is interesting, at least to me, and you don't have to compromise on that. But there's definitely a process to getting to the point where you can rely on your own taste more. And in the early stages of any artistic endeavor, you just aren't going to know what you're talking about. You're not going to know how to do things. So if you're not receptive to criticism, even very harsh criticism, then you're just not going to get better. And the worst part is if you are getting the haunches up and correcting people when they're giving you feedback and they're like, I don't think they could, even if you think it's bad feedback, like, I don't think this is fun. And you're like, well, you're wrong. It's super fun. Then you're just, uh -huh. you're just training people to not be honest with you because they say, oh, the last time so bad asked for my opinion on something and I gave it, I kind of, he kind of bullied me for it or he rejected it or he got mad. Uh -huh. So then people decide I'll just, I'll do the quote unquote kindness of lying to you about how good or bad your thing is. And then you have lost an avenue toward getting better at that thing. Yeah. So, I think you have yeah. to be pretty clear about, I want feedback on this, but not so much on this uh, <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. If, if that's the case, if you, if you can tell about yourself, if you have that, a stark maturity of, you know what, I don't think I could handle negative feedback about this particular facet. Or I just know that whatever they say, I'm not going to take the advice because I think it's perfect. Then I guess that's a boon because you know that about yourself. But I would still worry that you have that in you. And I would think that you should ask yourself, why and is it healthy that I'm not willing to hear um, contrarian opinions on this particular thing. Why am I so invested in it? I hate this idea. This is the worst way to ask for feedback on anything. And I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. You'll post, you'll post your painting, for example, and I you'll do, say, yeah. here's a painting I painted. How did I do? Don't phrase it like that because now it's about <laughs> you and anything they say that's not great is an admonishment of you as an artist. Instead, you need to, you need to put the painting on the easel at the other side of the room. And you need to stand with the people whose feedback you're getting shoulder to shoulder. And you're all looking at the same thing. And you need to ask questions like, what could have been done better here? How, how could this function better or be more affecting, et cetera? Make it about the art. Don't make it about you. I worry that you'll never be as good as you could be if you are personally involved in the feedback process for your art. I think you just, you need to want it to be better so strongly that you don't care if you get caught in the crossfire or you remove yourself from the crossfire completely. But if you're standing there holding your own painting, like, ah, did I do a good <laughs> job? Then you're setting yourself up for just negative emotions and you're not gonna, you're not gonna take the feedback, you can't. Yeah, it's like the, sometimes people be playing my maps uh, on stream and I'll like not want to say anything in chat because then it changes the experience a little bit. <laughs> it's always like kind of fun to see what people say when they think you're not there. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching um, I was watching Miyagi play my map 
and uh, Love Meowgi. He's been he's been so great and so helpful, so many different ways. But it was funny because when I once I made myself, I was watching for a bit, and he had been grinding against the Caco fight for a while, and was starting to be articulative about the things that he wasn't enjoying about it. And then when I made myself known, he was definitely walking that back because he didn't want to hurt my feelings. He didn't want to be unkind. And I think that's so sweet, but I also think that it's just really counterproductive uh, to the whole process of making and, and improving art. But obviously anybody who does that is trying to be kind and has probably had bad experiences in the past where they've said, oh, I don't think I really like this. And then the person gets really offended. Well, but perhaps I, also it's a realization on the person's part that they're not necessarily giving useful feedback there, you know? Like if I'm in a state where I'm pounding my head into a fight, I'm not mentally in the correct position to be telling somebody anything about that fight usually if i'm having a bad time but when i finish it and i've had a bit of time to process i will usually be a lot more reasonable and i'll be like well actually these elements of the fight were pretty cool but i struggle with this bit or i didn't like this bit but in the throes of it you know you're probably just going to be like this sucks this is bad <laughs> which is that's not helpful like it's not useful to anybody so you're right that's a great point thank you it would have been a tragedy if if you hadn't interjected with that i think um because yeah you're right sometimes it's the responsibility of the person giving the feedback to understand if they're giving analytical feedback or emotional feedback and how helpful it's going to be i've seen some That's pretty funny. terrible feedback people have given to new mappers specifically i was involved in sort of vaguely involved as a tester in a project and <laughs> this one person was just like some new mapper made like their first map they thought it was really good i played it and admittedly like there were a lot of problems with it or whatever but this other guy was like well this map is like it like single-handedly drives down the quality of the whole project like <laughs> and i was Oof. like jesus dude like you are useless like at this like like that is <laughs> that is not gonna make this person improve in any way like i don't know just uh, there are people who should not be giving feedback to other people i think yeah, at the same time that's that's so funny i i agree with you but i also as funny as it is that's the person that i want giving me feedback so long as they can articulate why they think that map ruins the entire wad i think you're right there are better ways to deliver feedback and you're probably just going to crush somebody uh if you are just being mean like that but for me, I love the people who don't hold back as long as they can actually explain. But I think you're mistaking holding back. Like you say, that, oh, they don't hold back. So it's more truthful than the person who tries to articulate things in a different way, which I don't think is correct. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, but I, I see why you... I see, I see how you heard that, but I, I'm sorry. Um, what I mean is just that there's not, they're not including in the calculation a concern for the person's feelings, which again, <laughs> I agree with you, is sh shitty in almost all contexts. 
I just think that for me personally, in my special little world, I love those people giving me feedback as long as when I ask, why do you think it's the worst thing you've ever played and I should die? They can explain that that's all i'm looking for they usually the, can't they that kind of person yeah and problem. that's that is often true i think and that's a problem but if they can that's why i'm really stressing that addendum as much as i can if they can then i love having that person play my stuff because i've i was very lucky my very famous friend dave who i just can't <laughs> stop talking about he my whole life has been that for me we met in kindergarten and we've been <laughs> best friends since so imagine him berating you in kindergarten like and that's what happened is is dave seemed to either not have an interest in um going easy on you or in filtering what he was saying or he just paid you the respect of not i don't know but i would ask him like it'd be first grade and i'd say hey do you want to hang out after school and he'd go no and <laughs> when you hear that that crushes you at first because no one else would do that. People would, they would lie. They, they truly, they just don't want to hang out. They're having a bad day. They're like, I don't really want to hang out. But what they'll say is, oh, I'm busy today, right? To protect your feelings. And Dave wouldn't do that. And he never did that. And once I got over this obstacle of, wait a minute, Dave says he doesn't want to hang out and I think he hates me, but then we're still friends the next day. I realized, oh, he's just being completely forthcoming with me. And he started becoming my rock that I would, I would write a song on guitar and I'd say, what do you think of this? And he'd be like, honestly, no. <laughs> and then he could articulate why, which is great, but he's not going to be like, oh yeah, I, I, I like it, but I, I like this one even better. Right. He'd just go, no, chuck that one in the trash. That's no good. And I don't have to agree with him, but I love to get that from him. So I have been trained from almost birth to deal with that and incorporate that feedback so i love uh, it i Even just find it very funny right. that your entire worldview has been shaped by a man named dave oh <laughs> uh, dave is my hero he's yeah i, I don't know what i would have done he's your buddha without the guy really but it's great you just i having had that in my life i can't imagine not having it and I try to be that for other people. I try to, because not everybody's used to it. I try to speak a little more carefully when I give negative feedback. But if you come to me and you say, no bullshit, I just want to know, do you love this? Do you hate it? Do you think it's the worst? Why? Just tell me. I will just tell you. And because I think that we should all have that option. It makes me uncomfortable that most people will lie to you. Do I look, do, do these pants look good on me? And Anyone who thinks they care about you will be like, yeah, of course, you're rocking those. But you're not. You look terrible in those pants. Go get some new pants. But uh, why would I go to you when I could cut out the middleman and go straight to Dave? <laughs> well, Dave's in high demand. You know, you got to make an appointment. I think he's booked till June, actually. And you're so. just a simulacrum, really, at this point. That's like... exactly right. I'm a poor facsimile of Dave. I, I pale in comparison. But, I uh, want the yeah. platonic ideal, Dave himself. <laughs> but you're right. I agree. I think the person that you brought up in that story was probably being unkind and unhelpful. I just well, look. Think my thing is, I think they were making the feedback about themselves. They were like, "How can I express to you how intelligent I am about doom right. mapping 
that I can just shit all over you because I know so much more than you. And and at that right. point, the feedback's automatically useless to me because it's not about the map anymore. It's it's about them. Which Absolutely. Absolutely. They're just taking the opportunity to feel superior. And this person was style. like a brand new mapper, like just starting out. It's like, that is the worst point to be given that kind of feedback because they might just never do it again. <laughs> you know, so. Oh, of course. And you have to grade it on a curve, right? You have to say that as for a first map, where is this? How far along is this? Mm -hmm. um, what feedback does it need? And if someone specifically requests, don't give me first map feedback, give me this is my magnum opus feedback, then that's the appropriate time to do it. But you also have to understand that you, you can't say, oh, well, this is worse than every Ribix map I've ever played, so therefore it's garbage. Mm -hmm. And like, why could it ever be that good if it's somebody's first map? So there's always a little bit of strategic dishonesty going on, but it's all behind the aim of being as helpful as possible. So there's that too. But I just think the perfect critique is somebody who will tailor it to your needs and not hold back and give you exactly what you need. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree that that guy, that guy just sounds like an ass. Let's be honest. Oh, I agree. But uh, anyway, after this four-hour tangent, let's let's get <laughs> back on track. It's turned into a podcast of just like, hey, looking at two guys just talking. Like that's what <laughs> <laughs> that's what we turn into. Yeah, what was the original question again? It was like, why why is my map set piece combat? Is that what it was? I was yeah about why it was like so tightly uh sort of devised i guess but right we got there in a in a very roundabout way hopefully uh, so you to to move on from from doom for uh the, the big finale here you've talked a little bit about um and i guess like this ties into sort of more recent events on your youtube channel and stuff but uh, i wanted to talk about sort of your more general experience with game development like outside of doom Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, uh, what specifically are you digging for? Uh, well, I mean, I was hoping you would do the work with this one, but, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, you had talked about how you used to be involved in like game jams and, and things like that, like making little games, uh, yourself. Uh, so just sort of some background about that, I guess. And then, you know, I want to tie it into your, your sort of latest developments. Ooh, fun. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, I basically, as a means of getting into programming and practicing more, and I love games, just naturally decided to start making games. And with, uh, I don't know if you would have heard of him, but Dave and no, another buddy of mine, <laughs> we, we got together, we made a little team and uh, with our compartmentalized responsibilities, and we started competing in game jams, which if anybody doesn't know, is a competition where usually a theme will be revealed at the start of the competition. So your game has to revolve around the theme of the game is a lie or light and shadow or something like that. And that is just to help police people getting a head start. So if you don't know what the theme is, then you probably can't start your game early. Mm -hmm. And then the game jam would be a very tight time limit. So it could be two days, three days, um, I did one once that was a week long, and even that felt like not enough time. And you just make 
the best and most polished experience you can in that amount of time. And it is a fascinating and endlessly rewarding creative endeavor to sit down with two other people whom you love dearly and you just put your heads together and you say, okay, we got to make a game. We've got nothing and we have to hand it in 72 hours from now. And I'm going to be sleeping. I'm not staying up all night. And you just get to go through that exciting ideation phase of like, okay, what if it's a, what if it's like a puzzle game, but you have to kill the character you control at the right time or just whatever idea. What if it's shoot to move? Every game is shoot to move. You'll see 50 in every game jam. Uh-huh. And then you start building it. And then by the end, hopefully sprint to the finish, uh, you put a game out. So we did, uh, we publicly did four of those, I think, the the same team. And I did uh, the code and design and Dave did all of the art. And uh, our, uh, our other friend who doesn't get a name because they're not as famous as Dave, I suppose. <laughs> we'll keep the joke going. Don't. Uh, would just, yeah, if gone, would fill in the, ga- would fill in the gaps with everything uh, else that we'd need. So we'd go, oh crap, we need a, a bullet sound effect. They would make that. Or, uh, or oh, can you design level 17 quick? And they'd do that. Um, so they were always, always making the project better, but we're in more of a flex role. But anyway, did four of those. Some of them did just exceptionally well. Uh, the first one we ever did actually was it was a competition. There were before teams dropped out before the deadline. I think there were eleven hundred teams, Whoa. and our team got second place. Whoa! So yeah, we were we were ecstatic. We were ecstatic. It's our first one ever, and we thought, well, now we're gonna do this forever because uh-huh. we, uh, you know, I guess we can do it. And uh, so it was just a nice bonus to the the vibe of it all. Is hey, wow, people really liked um Jim Posters was the game that we made mm-hmm. and then you got and, 11th place of the next <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then we got blown out yeah we did another one that was like a, over 100 and we got third and then in the other two we did I think we got like top 10% so not not quite as uh incredible but we were certainly very happy to always be well received mm-hmm. and uh that's where my little avatar my little pixel guy comes from is he's evil Jim from, uh, from Jim Posters. I just love that so much. It's such a, a point in time in the history of me that I just feel like it kind of colors what I do. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, we did, we did four of those that year and then uh, kind of like moved on, like physically, geographically moved to different locations and uh, didn't end up doing another one together as a team. But it was something I liked doing so much and I always had a game on the back burner. So this most recent project that I've started this month uh, that, yeah, you would have seen that YouTube video on. Sorry about the vibe of that, by the way, but is uh, my new goal is to make a game because I enjoy it so much every month. I'm just going to make a game this month and I'm going to make a game in February. I don't know what February's game is going to be. I barely understand what January's game is going to be. And we're already five days in. But uh, I'm just doing my own game jam just for me once a month. And then, yeah, I have some some people uh, who are very generously supporting me with that. And uh, they'll be getting a copy of the game. And it's just going to be a fun community thing to uh, to just keep those skills sharp and express myself creatively and that sort of thing. And I think part of that came from making that Doom map and having so much fun with it. 
and realizing, oh yeah, I love crafting gameplay experiences and then watching people enjoy them in ways that I didn't think they would or tackle them in different ways and questioned why I hadn't done that for years. And so why not start? And here we are. And does that answer your question at all? I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, my best. no, it does. Um, I guess I would wonder like what your ultimate sort of aspirations are for game development, do you think? Like, is it just make your own game, essentially? It is complicated, I guess. I think, I think the unfortunate truth is, um, without going too much into detail and like dragging the vibe down, it's just, it's been a tough life. And my options and what I can do to support myself are just laughably limited. So there's been a real struggle the last decade plus to try and figure out how in the hell I'm going to feed myself and have shelter going forward. And I've tried a lot of things that have not worked out a lot more normal things that you would, any person would say, well, do this. And then you try and it doesn't work for health reasons or otherwise. So I think the aspiration with game dev is just to maybe find a thing that I genuinely enjoy doing and, and hopefully am, am all right at. And one day make enough off of that to just barely skate by to just not have to worry about it, right? I don't, I don't need to be a household name. I don't need most people who have played my games. But if I could pay my mortgage and heating bill and food every month off of game dev, because I can work on my own schedule and around my own health problems, then that for me is the dream. It's a very modest dream. But but that's the dream. And maybe one day, yeah, I, I've, if things go really well and I can make kind of my dream game, uh, you reach out to like big mode publishing and say, hey, make my game and I can do that. That would be fun. But only as a strictly creative endeavor. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really not in it for I hate I hate attention and I hate making public uh, uh, appearances. You're so welcome, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I. Uh, I don't really value money. I've never had it. So I just want to not have to worry about it and then do what fulfills me. And that's, that's the end goal. So this, this thing I'm doing, I've been trying not to name Patreon because I'm, I'm trying not to like be a, be grimy about it. But the, the thing with that whole situation is maybe one day, months to years from now, if that's pulling in my monthly expenses, then I'm set. I'm set forever and I'm happy and I'm carefree. So that's the experiment right now. And we'll do it for uh -huh. as many months as it takes and we'll see where it goes. Well, I suppose my question and a lot of other people's questions is why are you only accepting uh, $2 only? Uh, and a follow-up question, why be so wrong? <laughs> uh, that's great. <laughs> um, I disagree. <laughs> um, first of all, what I have been blown away by is I thought optimistically, maybe five people would come by and help out and I'd have like a $10 budget this month. And, uh, I've done much better than that. A, t a shocking amount of people have come by and I'm blown away by that. 
And what I'm also blown away by is you're right. Yeah. I specifically asked people to not give me more than $2 and every single person so far has honored that request, which is amazing, except for one person who I'm going to have to yell at, I guess, because they disobeyed me, but everybody else has been playing by my rules, which is fantastic. I'm just saying for that, the same amount of people would have donated $4. You'd have doubled your money. You'd be, you'd have imagined the game you could make. Yeah. I have been in this situation before I have been in. Here is an opportunity to make more money. And usually it arrives at a time when I am very, very desperate to be making more money. And I have yet to opt for the choice that makes me the more money because usually it comes at the cost of something I'm not comfortable with, ethically speaking. And again, this probably comes from my being too cautious and analyzing things too much. And I really have a deep-seated fear of being a jerk. But the thing of it is, if I were putting out a game, let's say a massive game, let's say I was putting out like Hollow Knight, somehow I made Hollow Knight and I'm Team Cherry and I'm putting that out. Actually, that's a terrible example because they charged a very reasonable price for Hollow Knight. That was one of the best things about it. Mm -hmm. I'm putting out Overwatch, let's say. I could not conscionably ask $60 for a game. I don't care what game it is. Just me personally, I'm really trying not to be negative toward other people. But I've had the experience so many times in my life where I want to play a game and I can't because I'm priced out. And that pricing out could happen at $16 where I could say, I really want to play this game. I've been waiting for it to come out, but I don't have $16. I can't spare it. And it sucks. So I just have, after having experienced that so many times, I know I'm not the only one. If making the game is creatively fulfilling enough for me, and I, if I could put it out for free and everything I've ever made thus far, I have put out for free. I don't even accept donations for games that I've made, Doom Watcher stuff, whatever it is. I just want, I made it. I want you to be able to enjoy it. I just hate that we always have to pay for things, just everything, right? I understand that the world works that way, but sometimes we can choose to not have it work that way. So I already feel crappy enough that I'm in a position where I'm taking on this project and I just have to ask for some amount of money to do it at all. And I have one of my friends really bullying me and trying, he's like, no, you should be charging like $10 for this. Like, this is crazy, but I'm not going to do it. He's I, right. There might be someone, he, he, maybe, maybe, but I, I can't and I won't because there could be someone who thought, hey, I would love to participate in this, but I don't have $10. But and that's why, that you know what out. you could do, right? Here's what you do. You set up two Patreon tiers. One's four dollars, one's two dollars. They give exactly the same thing. So everyone can get it for two dollars, but people can give you four dollars if they want to give you four dollars. They get exactly the same thing, but they get to make that choice. I mean you could, for everyone, but, right? Well, A, that's built right in. So right now, even though I'm asking for two dollars, I think you can donate any amount because that one person did donate more than oh, there you two dollars. Everyone but, go now. No, and don't do it. No, 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 no. Don't do it. Twenty dollars. Do no, do not do that. Two dollars is more than enough. And here's why. The the other reason why, and I think I went into this in the video, but the whole like chasing your dreams content creation thing, 
is 100% feast or famine. Some people, if you find success, you'll get way more success than you ever needed. And you'll have so much money, you don't even know what to do with it. And if you don't find that success, you get nothing. So I don't want someone to come by and give me $10. I would say, hey, good for you. You have $10 to spare. That's awesome. By the way, what's that like? I would like you to find <laughs> yeah. five creators that you want to support and give everybody a little bit. Because if we all did that instead, then yeah, the, the max salary of I'm a famous content creator would drop, but it would go up across the board. It'd be kind of a rising tide raises all ships situation. And it would be more viable for people to chase their dreams and do what they want to do instead of it being this, can I get into the NFL level gamble? It's just, I'm, I'm sick of dealing with that and I'm not going to feed into the same system. Huh. So if you want to support me, that's so awesome. It's it's $2 and don't give me more. And if you're feeling generous, go go donate to Mount Payne's Patreon. Go donate to Decino's Patreon. Like Go help out whoever's bringing you joy. Maybe a person sure podcast you're, you're listening to right now, even. That's a great idea. Do you know any? <laughs> uh, I think there's one that's Absolutely. just these two guys just talking about seemingly nothing for four hours. I think it's meant to be an interview, but... Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly. Go donate to... If, you, if you're going to give... Also, don't give Nirvana more than $2. You heard it here. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, just for my personal comfort, don't give me more than $2. Yeah, take the additional two or the additional five. And yeah, give them to Nirvana. Give them to anybody else you can find. There's tons of Patreons out there. There's like coffee accounts and things. There's lots of ways to support people. But cast a wide net is what I'd like to see happen. So It's, it's definitely difficult to... There's so much onus on self-marketing uh, these days. Like, I feel like even a person who has no product to sell is marketing themselves on social media and stuff these days. But if you do... Yeah, it's the hustle. Yeah, if you do have something like the podcast, it's like, I don't know. I'm sure I would get more people to subscribe or, like, go to the Patreon or whatever if every single episode of what... It, or, like, every video I was like, hey, check out my Patreon or, like, hey, make sure to smash the... The, all the buttons the bell and the fucking whatever but it's yeah. difficult to bring yourself to become that person i think it feels it, it isn't but it feels a little grody yeah it, it's just it kind of just is the thing to do it works it's so widely ingrained now that i don't even think it really bothers many people anymore that everybody's doing it mm -hmm. but if you're not used to doing it for yourself then yeah it feels it feels a little gross to be like, hey, by the way, here's the marketing scheme. Here's what you didn't come here for is all the marketing aspects of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, will I, say I, I, there have definitely been times where I've watched somebody's video and I had just forgot, like I watched their content a bunch, but I had just somehow forgotten to subscribe and then they mention it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I should do that. So <laughs> there are times where it's less gross and I understand why it's done. Uh, but there are times where it takes up way too much time uh, in the content. Exactly. Ex yeah, I, I agree on on both. And I, I think it's just a case of like having my own personal feelings about doing things like that without expecting or even wanting other people to feel the same way or confirm or conform to that behavior. Mm -hmm. So I, I my channel, like I've never been like, like comment, subscribe. 
yeah. on my Doom channel, mostly because I don't want the channel to grow. <laughs> I, I try really hard to keep the channel from growing Listen too to this fast. guy. Look, he's saying all this, right? But he just sent me a DM and it said he actually wants people <laughs> to give him $40 <laughs> each. Yeah, push back more. You're not pushing back on me. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, this was actually yeah, I... a scripted uh, argument that he wanted in. <laughs> And I think he's taken it too far at this point. Damn, Damn I am a fine actor. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just a... I've, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, it's just something that... It's, it, it's the reality of the situation. The calls to action work. Uh, and they're not evil. But you can definitely overdo it and do it in a way that's kind of obnoxious. Uh -huh. But I, I don't do it at all because I hate attention. And I really have been struggling all this past year to deal with the growth of the YouTube and trying to do sneaky tricks. Like I want to bring a few people over to the Twitch for my first stream, but I don't want a lot of people to come over to the Twitch because I'm scared. So I put the announcement at the very end of a 45 minute long video. So almost everybody's filtered out by then. And there's, there's that's why you just you just like click that. off the view account. You don't even know how many people are there. That's fine. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I've, I've I did start doing that, and that's that's been a huge help. But it is yeah. just like I got lucky or unlucky, depending on your perspective, too early with that uh, that Decino video that I regret doing, and I just got a ton of attention that I was not ready for. And I'm not talking negative or positive. I'm just saying people are looking at me. And I was not ready to handle that. And it's been, I've just been like tripping downhill since then. So I oh, come on. personally am never doing the call to action because it, I don't handle those things well. And I'm, I'm not trying to grow any faster than it's been growing. All right. Well, it freaks me out. For anyone listening, there's going to be a link in the description and you can go <laughs> donate to the Patreon. So bad. <laughs> And I want you to be really generous and make him as uncomfortable as possible. It's gonna be no, great. don't, no, I, please don't do that. <laughs> no, please no. don't do that. Uh, here a, to his a... wishes, but secretly, with a wink. <laughs> yeah, make make four different accounts. And, yeah, and donate oh, there you go. That's the perfect solution. He will never know. Yeah, don't do that either. But uh, uh, but yeah. definitely support the Nirvana podcast and Evening with Nirvana, your favorite Doom podcast yeah. on Patreon. Definitely do, and, do that. Uh, yeah. Definitely do that. And be just be effusive. Just be like, just be, be obsequiously servile with the amount that be you be profligate you, is what I would suggest. Yeah, go nuts. And then my own other personal inf uh, recommendations, just because I I love their content, is if we're spreading the love uh dina doom love love that guy's stuff mm -hmm. uh we're we're done beefing that's behind us and uh <laughs> and decino yeah you know that's that's who i would be i'll edit those out so. so that there's only the focus on, on mine <laughs> <laughs> no decino <laughs> and mount Payne are like the only reason i ever got any subscribers on this channel for their shout outs to be honest uh super nice guys both of them yeah, yeah. and just great content high effort High effort, great content. I would love to see more of that. I don't know how they do it, and I don't know how they do it as often as they do it. What is going on? How do people find the time? I think they, yeah, they're both just things? really invested. Uh, Mount Payne I talk to quite a bit, actually. 
uh, now after doing the podcast, and he's very enthusiastic just about, you know, through mapping and about film and like we talk about film a bit sometimes and and stuff like that. And he's just a an enthused, energetic person when it comes to that kind of content. I think that's fun. Yeah, he seems like a, a great guy. I don't. I've never really spoken to him personally, but there was a running a running gag for a few weeks on my Twitch that I was beefing with him because uh, I think YouTube didn't send him one of my comments on one of his videos, so it didn't get hearted. <laughs> uh. We made a joke of blowing that way out of proportion, like, oh, beefing with Mount Payne. And then it escaped the Twitch a little bit and people would be leaving comments on Mount Payne's YouTube videos like, why are you beefing with so bad? See, so this is shut it down. this is how Sobaz insidious though. This was all part of his marketing strategy. He's like, <laughs> if I can get intertwined in the world of Mount Payne, I can bring some of those viewers over to me. That's, oh, what, man. that's what it's about. You know what's funny is I've I've worked professionally in marketing, and that is where I have gotten my knowledge on like what to avoid doing if oh, I yeah. want to grow as slowly as possible. And it has been really <laughs> helpful. <laughs> uh if i ever hear the words seo again i'm gonna throw myself <laughs> off a bridge i think a uh, bridge into some money you mean that you're making off all that seo Ugh, it's the, good for you I, that would be another massive tangent because i it's something i'm very actively disgusted about and i think it's ruining the entire internet but you know that's a topic for another time probably yeah i'd be interested to hear you talk about that at some point yeah well it won't be on the podcast because uh boy have we talked about a lot of things uh we weren't we weren't prepared to tackle but well i had a great time dm me D dm me the the rant on I seo I, I would love to hear your opinion on that definitely yeah uh i mean yeah it's definitely been a lot of fun and now we have to get to a question that you've already answered right at the beginning of the podcast but uh <laughs> I wonder, yeah, what, I wonder what what could be your favorite Doom monster, uh, Serbat? Oh, geez, that's a good question. Well, ever since uh, I played Ancient Aliens, which uh, we've established came out in 2003, mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, <laughs> 93, I think. The year Doom came out. Came out the same year. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Um, yeah, no, my favorite, yeah, as mentioned, I, I love The Revenant. Uh, that's what inspired me to make that How to Doom Revenants video because I think it's the most interesting enemy to engage with. It has so many neat little hidden mechanics, some of which feel like intentional design and others kind of feel like maybe ghosts in the code base a little bit, but it's fascinating either way. And, uh, oh crap, what was I saying? Oh yeah, and there was, I had noticed specifically with that video when I went to make it that the specific mechanic of the Revenant where, where you can keep it at kind of chase range and it never shoots. And then there's a melee range where it tries to punch you. And if you painstate it at any point, it will retaliate unless it is still kept perpetually in melee range. And that's something that I had been using for years, but not seeing a lot of other people intentionally do. I'm sure, I'm sure many were, but it just didn't seem like something that had been explicitly kind of exposited before. And mm -hmm. that kind of sparked the whole video where I was like, wait a minute, why can't I find any, any like blog posts on how this revenant mechanic works and then i ended up making that whole thing so now i'm kind of nostalgic about that monster uh i kind of have it to thank because that is that is my uh i think most well-received youtube video so far even though i'd do it differently if i could go back and do it again mm -hmm. but uh 
good lord what a fun monster it's just the second there's one revenant in the room you're doing the whole fight a little bit differently yeah i mean if i'm fighting you know a hundred hell knights in front of me i'm killing the one revenant that got left alive you know? absolutely <clears throat> yeah that's that's so fun that kind of asymmetry in the monster design i think is one of the best things about doom it's so it's just fun to engage with you are always making decisions room to room shot to shot where's what's the best way to spend my time right now and uh, the revenant is just the quintessential example of that i think it's so cool yeah they have a lot of great features i mean <clears throat> you talk about asymmetry and the i mean they're the only monster that well, apart from the Mancubus, I guess, that gives you like an asymmetrical movement pattern with just the one monster. Where if you have three revenants or something, you can't just move in one set pattern usually because you might be getting non-homing rockets at the same time as homing rockets. So yeah, that's right. They're also the only monster with a dedicated uh, melee attack. Yep. Uh, as opposed to uh, an otherwise projectile attack, which is neat. Like, obviously, pinkies have a dedicated melee attack, but that's that's all they do. It's not interesting to talk about. So that's neat. Yeah, it's just it's just a cool monster. Yeah. It's nice. It's just complicated enough where, on a surface level, you don't have to really understand what's going on to fight a few effectively. You just dodge the rockets and you shoot them. But the better you understand it, the skill ceiling skyrockets, and you can really abuse these things. Mm -hmm. and survive some pretty insane setups with them yeah and they're also very just usable from a mapping perspective because they're so small and they can use stairs very easily compared to other monsters and follow the player into spaces that usually only he can go in and stuff so yeah yeah and they're thin bodies and they don't take a lot of damage before they die so a huge amount of revenants can just be kind of culled more quickly than a huge amount of another monster because your rocket splash kind of spreads deeper it feels like actually i don't even know if that's true but it definitely feels like that's true maybe it's just because they have less health than something like a hell knight but i think actually now that i mention it i think i'm wrong because i think the revenant's actual like collision box is the same size as an imps and there's just not a lot of variety yeah, there i think that so is scratch that from the record <laughs> <laughs> Staying I've been in. wrong about everything today. <laughs> well, who, who you got a total fraud on your podcast, sure. my guy? What are you wrong thinking? about the amount that you should donate to him? Wrong about this. <laughs> wrong about it all. Uh, and uh, that's so bad. Wait. So, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. It was a lot of fun. We we went on a lot of tangents, which usually means it's been a good conversation, in my opinion. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thank you very much for having me on. I do I do listen all the time and it's it's a little uh a little surreal in a nice way to be like, oh man, I get to be on an evening with Nirvana. That's dope. <laughs> that's that's neat. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And hopefully hopefully it was any fun at all. Yeah, it was great. No, it was really good. Uh and yeah, I mean this is like the inside the actor studio of Doom, so pretty prestigious. Oh yeah, that's a deep cut reference. So are you going to do are you going to do your inside the actor's studio moment where you get Dave Chappelle to come on and and interview you to cap it all off? Well, I always think of that as um like a Tonight Show thing. Maybe more so when Johnny Carson was around, which maybe uh no one even knows who that is anymore, but not that I was around when Johnny Carson was around, but <laughs> He used to get George Carlin to do the hosting for him, which uh, is sort of what 
because Colin used to do a lot of like Johnny Carson's. Right, right. Yeah, I was. Uh, I think actually we've had this conversation before, but I was I was a, a big Dick Cavett guy. Yeah, not I while he was on, obviously I wasn't alive, but <laughs> <laughs> I like Dick Cavett. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of late night because I think I was just always a someone who was up late in general. So I would just sit down in front of the TV and there would be like, you know, Conan and Letterman and all of them. I didn't really like Leno all that much, but who did really? Let's be honest. Yeah. I'm with you. Not a Leno guy. I think Conan's probably probably my favorite. Yeah, Conan's always always seemed like the most genuine dude. And, you know, when he got that big severance deal when Jay Leno wanted his spot back on the Tonight Show, he gave a big chunk of it to his staff, and I was like, you know what? Conan's all right. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, that the best Norm MacDonald moment in history is going on Conan's show after he had been canceled and uh, pretending that he had forgotten to send him his congratulatory basket for getting the show right oh my god it's it's just it's devastating it's so amazing that guy's great are we still on are we just tangenting again no we're still on uh oh god (laughs) get us out of here sometimes i just end the episode with uh a continuation of nothing really um i like that but yeah anyway go go to check out uh the patreon it's very worthwhile for for so bad He's making a game every month. It's crazy talk. Uh, definitely go support him. Watch him on Twitch and stuff. There'll be some links. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, and I will be back next week with another guest. Goodbye. Thank you.